And the teaching tonight will be from the Apostle Paul when he did talk about being a new creature in Christ, uh, heavily tied into the doctrine of the new birth, uh, which is found in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus uh, was questioning Jesus. Turn to John chapter 3, and we will commence our first reading at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? Knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Uh, please turn to our second reading in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Chapter 5, and we will commence our reading at verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory in our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance, and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet know henceforth, now know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let us bow our heads in prayer, asking for the Lord's help in this evening service. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before Thee once again, O Lord, that Thou would still our hearts before Thy Word. Lord, we pray once again that Thou would fill us with Thy Holy Ghost. Lord, we pray and we ask of Thee that Thou would truly visit us here tonight. And, O oh God, that Thou would warm us up. Lord, save us from a cold heart even here tonight. 
And Lord, that Thou would speak to us through Thy Word. Bless the preaching of Thy Word. Give help to the speaker. For we ask of all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In these two accounts of Scripture reading, as we read, as we are familiar with the doctrine of the new birth, as Jesus did say, the necessity to get into heaven, well, ye must be born again. And in Paul's account here, he uses a different word as a new creature, as he is talking about the same thing. It's being born again that the old things have gone away. Behold, all things have become new. It's very necessary to read both readings because it helps you see with understanding well, what it is to be a born-again believer. In my past trip in Fredericton, it was a good trip. It was a chance to see people that you have been brought up with over the years. Uh, some people I haven't seen in maybe 10 years, uh, and it was a great blessing to be acquainted uh, with some of these uh, long-time uh, acquaintances as you were uh, brought up with. Uh, but a lot of them were not saved. A lot of them were unbelievers, and I told them, you know, I'm coming here to preach, and uh, maybe you should come out to the church. And, well, one says, um, well, preacher, you see, I, 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 I tried religion. You know, I tried it, but it, it didn't work for me. And I said, well, I said, friend, I said, that makes two of us because it never worked for me either. But you see, friends, many have made the assumption that they, they are Christian. In, in our day and age, we talk to lots of people. I says, I'm a Christian. You know, I've been baptized. I'm a Christian. Don't, you know, don't talk to me about that. You know, you talk to other people, well, uh, some are Christians simply because they uh, go to church on a Sunday. Well, I'm a Christian because uh, I, I go to church on a Sunday. You know, these are f- fairly simple uh, acquisitions, but, but it must be something that must be uh, taught here. Because so it was, it was in Paul's time when he was teaching about the new creature in Christ as he didn't see much change in the people that uh, how they can be in Christ yet live like the devil and still be saved. Well, as, however, this is not the case because in this passage of Scripture, it was thus very clear in Paul's time that Paul's love and zeal were disregarded by many at Corinth. As we know, that church in Corinth was a very uh, carnal church. Uh, much was going on in that church, uh, carnally speaking. Much sin it was being swept under the rug. And Paul was deemed by himself. Paul was deemed by himself with his teaching, but neutral both to their rejection and applause. He proclaimed to them the function of his motives by which he was constrained by. That told them that Paul was telling them that what was constraining him to preach the gospel. And that which was behind Paul to show Paul, you know what's really behind me? Well, it was the constraining love of Christ. That he was constrained by the love for Christ to go into the world and to preach the gospel and to teach the new birth. As it was once said by George Whitfield as he would go on his campaign meetings and preaching around during the great awakening here, we know that he would preach this message. And many congregation members would go up to George Whitfield and they would ask him, you know, why, why are you always preaching the same message all the time? He said, because you must be born again. You see, our brother had a point with the preaching of the new birth because we are living in a time that many claim to be Christian, yet inwardly there's no inward change. 
Are they really a new creature in Christ? Was there really that radical change of heart? Well, as we just read, Nicodemus coming to the Lord, a very religious man. Oh, this man knew religion, this great rabbi, as he came and he questioned Jesus. Friend, they knew who Nicodemus was. This was a great uh, high-end teacher, and and surely uh, there would be those that would go to Nicodemus and say, surely you, Nicodemus, you have a place in heaven. You see, our Lord and Savior, when He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, unless ye are born again, ye cannot see. Ye cannot see, ye can't see heaven unless you're born again. There's the necessity of the radical change. The necessity of the new birth. No radical change, no new birth, no heaven. The teaching of our Savior, and backed up by Paul here in 2 Corinthians 5.17, as it states, Therefore, if any man... Therefore, if any man, isn't that glory here tonight? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, the old life, the old things. And behold, all things are become new. He's reinforcing the doctrine of the new birth here. It's a great parallel in Scripture in John 3.7 and 2 Corinthians 5.17. And if any be in Christ, he is a true believer in Him. This new creation can be only the power of God who created the world can also save a lost sinner. You see, well, a preacher, you know, I, I know salvation. I'm a believer. But friend... You must know salvation. You must know salvation. Because here, as Paul preached salvation, he preached what truly it was. What truly it was to be a believer here. And when he so is created, all things are passed away on their own accord. This was a true change of heart. And behold, the truly undeniable change that people claim to be saved, and yet there is no change. And yet we are living in a time of great antinomianism, of easy believism, as you can call it. Here, as Paul addresses the situation, in God's Word, all things are become new. He has new life, a renewed outlook on life, great love for His Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, men, the whole creation, heaven, earth, and all therein appear in a new light. Well, so was it for us that day when we got saved. Paul goes on to say that those who were of great sin, great carnal being, sinners of the depths of depravity, yet he is able to say, and such were some of you. But yet they have found Christ. There's the radical change as he goes on to say, in a new manner, but since, since He was created anew in Christ Jesus, therefore, there is a question that every single person in the world must ask themselves. Am I a true Christian? You know, those professing to be Christian, well, uh, I, I challenge you uh, here tonight, I, we must look at a salvation. How great a salvation! How great a salvation! And that's something that is a great thing to preach on. It's a great thing to preach on how great a salvation that Christ has come from the splendors of heaven even to come and redeem a people. Well, you see here, a new creature. My first point I want to show you is a new creature. What is Paul talking about here? Notice the words of our text. He is a new creature. It's a radical change. A new creature. 
Uh, have you ever seen a creature die and then change into something completely different? Well, a very poor illustration that I can tell you is that of a caterpillar. It's a very poor one, but it gives us some sort of a grasp that a caterpillar, well, as we know the stages of a caterpillar, it becomes a new creature. So a caterpillar goes and it goes through its stages. There's a stage called a, metaphor- a metamorphosis, and it changes into a butterfly. Now that's a very poor illustration, but I'm trying to show you that it's a new creature. It's no longer uh, walking, uh, no longer walking on its legs. It now has wings. You see, it's a new creature. There's a complete change, a complete change of heart. And the greatest changes will not be enough unless they go total and deep. Friend, I preach to you tonight not a half salvation. Friend, I preach to you tonight not a change of habit. Not mere uh, just uh, church attendance or or religious uh, religious or ritualistic practice but a complete change of heart. We often marvel in the fact that when Jesus went to Nicodemus and he told him, he said, marvel not about these things. When he stood up this great religious leader of the time and he stood him out and he called his number, he says, you should have known. He says, don't marvel. Nicodemus, this shouldn't have been a surprise to you. A great teacher of the old law. My friend, you should have known what Ezekiel taught when he said that I will take from you the heart of stone and I will give you the heart of flesh. Nicodemus, you should have known that Moses preached of me. As he goes on to say that even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So did Moses lift up the brazen serpent as he goes and he points to Nicodemus. He points to himself. He points to the God-man. And he shows him it's not through religion, but it's through grace. We often marvel in the fact that Nicodemus, as he questions the Lord and says, Am I to go back into my mother's womb and to be born a second time? No, friend, he was carnally thinking. It's not a physical rebirth. It's not a physical rebirth as we know that we're all born the first time. We're all born the first time from the first federal headship of Adam. We've all experienced the first physical birth. But no, Jesus is talking when He says that which is of the flesh is flesh. He puts a period there. He draws a line right down the middle. He's saying you can't cross over from the flesh. It needs to be a spiritual rebirth. No man has ever saved himself. He draws a line that if it were to end when Jesus was saying that which is of the flesh is flesh, then what hope would there be? What possibly hope could there be for sinful man if that which is of the flesh is flesh? But thank God when the Lord says, but He says, that which is of the Spirit is Spirit. He's pointing to Himself as a spiritual rebirth, that there's a complete change of heart. It's not just a change of habit. And He's showing Him again. I believe Paul knew the rebirth very good. As Paul, an inspired man, he knew what it was to preach the doctrine of the new birth. A complete and radical change. A change of habit does not warrant being born again. 
A drunkard may stop going to the bar. He may stop going to the public house. A drug-addicted person might become clean, yet their changes does not warrant them a salvation. As we know, as the Lord said, a man is said to be a true Christian if he be in Christ, in union with Him. In union with Christ, when He is entangled into Him as a branch of the living vine, when the Lord Jesus Christ said Himself that I am the vine, and ye are the branches. That's in union with Him. That's the great source of salvation. Well, it's all of, it's all of the Lord. And here, you can see here, I say it the Lord, that I am the vine, ye are the branches, saith the Lord. When He truly believes in Christ, and you are a born-again Christian. A complete change of heart. But in order to show what a change every man experiences when he becomes a Christian, the Apostle makes it clear and says of him that he is... A new creation. Marvel in the fact that God uses sinful men to preach. Because He could have used angels, He could have used some higher means, but yet God uses sinful men to preach. And we often know the saying that men may preach and angels may minister, but it's Jesus who saves. And you see here, even as Christ pointed to Himself to this great religious man. Here it is. But in order to show what a change every man experiences, every woman experiences when they become a true Christian, the Apostle makes it clear and says of him that he is a new creation. In this term, there is a reference to the creation of the world, which here be identified by as a type of pattern of work, of regeneration, which God performs in the heart of His people. The work of the Holy Spirit. The new creation in the passage of 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the word therefore refers us back to the passages in 14 to 16 where Paul tells us that all believers have died with Christ. That all believers have died with Christ and no longer live for themselves. That's what he's teaching them here. He is teaching that our lives are no longer worldly, but rather now they are spiritual. No longer carnally minded, no longer in the pleasures of sin. Forget about the idea that you can just profess with the mouth that you're a Christian and live like the world. Forget about the notion that salvation is not life changing. Forget about it. It's a complete change. And Paul goes on to stress the fact of a complete and radical turn. Once in the depths of depravity, On the road to hell, now on the road to heaven. And friend, as an army general major, when he was holding his tent meetings during the war in Vietnam, as he was in the pew there, as one man brought the word in a tent meeting during the camp in Vietnam there, he goes, they call him up. And they say, General, can you come and can you you teach us salvation? And he comes up to the room and he goes, well, quick march. And he comes up to the front and he does his march and he does a complete turn, quick turn. He says it's a complete turn. He said once in darkness and now in the light. And friend, 
I like that. Because it is a complete turn. It's a complete change. There's no such thing as half salvation. There's no such thing as being on the doorstep to heaven. Either you're in or you're out. And here, the word therefore, as we know that he was showing, as it goes on to say, our death is that of the old nature which is nailed to the cross with Christ as stated in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, that our old man is crucified with him. There's the old nature. That new person that was raised up is what was referred to in 2 Corinthians 5.17 in our text. That's the new person he was talking about. And as the new creation, the connection between them may be seen in the following two points, in the appearance and the order. I believe in Paul's conversion. I believe in Paul's conversion. It was a radical conversion. Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, once uh, once binding up the Christian people, once persecuting uh, the church of Jesus Christ, now a saint of God. My friend, if any man can preach on the new birth, it's him. And here we see in the appearance the world was created by God according to his own sovereign will without any intervention by man. And though brought into existence in a moment in time, it was gradually perfected in its variety. Therefore, the souls of God's people are regenerated purely by the sovereign will of God and completely through the agency of his word and spirit. It's without any intervention by man. Here we notice the words in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in what? In the face of Jesus Christ. There is an instant in time which is unknown to us when the new man as well as the old obtains this vital truth, a moment whereby we are quickened from the dead. In a split second, the work of the Holy Ghost upon the man's soul quickens him. Quickened from the dead and passed from death into life. Notice that work of grace is carried on in a constant progression. And the inward man is renewed day by day. As the new man begins to grow in sanctification, the work of the Spirit upon the heart. And secondly, we see in the order, remember in creation that it was light that was created first. It was the first thing that was made in the material world. And after that, the harmony of all parts to the good of the whole. And we all know that great property of light. The great property of light is that it dissipates darkness. You figure the first thing made was light. That God made the light to dissipate the darkness. Friend, therefore it was light that fastened into the mind of the, of the regenerate man of you of his guilt and his misery is giving to him the work of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. A view of his guilt and misery is given to him and realized his former passions Natural of pride, love of sin, love of self, reliance on works, perverted habits and passions, supreme love of self, and with it, self-righteousness. It's not that the time we're living in. Self-righteousness. A true Christian experiences this change, the restoration of the soul after God's image. All things pass away and all things become new. Well, that's his outlook on sin. 
A sinner that's saved no longer views sin as what he once did. Which was before, uh, as the sinner once had much pleasure in his sin, uh, puffed up with pride, but after he gets converted, there's a new look on sin. It's abominable. Sin that was once regarded as pleasurable and desirable in his view is now changed. His views are very different. Once his eyes are opened and the veil removed, again from the darkness into the light. And sin is seen in its true colors. And the veil is removed and sin is seen in its true color a sin is seen in its true colors and it is now viewed as a disgusting abominable and evil which was once a love for sin now there's a hatred for the innermost parts of the soul desires deliverance from as much as it is hell itself look firstly at his outlook on Christ as the name once cursed in his life and is now the highest name to proclaim Once he felt no love towards him, but now the name of Jesus, it's precious to me. That's why he's going on. He starts starts with the constraining love of Christ. He shows them that, listen, once here, I was a persecutor of the church of Christ. But now I'm driven by the love of Christ. Friend, that's a radical change. Name once cursed in his life is now the highest name to proclaim Once he felt no love towards him, but now the name of Jesus is precious to him. He is filled by the Holy Ghost with love towards the Savior, and he now cleaves unto Christ. And friend, we know that the Apostle Paul, there's none that preached cleaving unto Christ like him. Cleave to Christ with the fullness of his heart. This new creature has a new outlook on Christ and a new outlook on life. The life once fully lived by envy and the world constantly marveled by what the world has to offer. People constantly going today asking, what, what does this world have to offer? Salvation. You want to talk about salvation, they want to see, well, what does the world have to offer? What can they offer me? Friend, we see that veil removed. We see that veil removed, magnetized by sin. He constantly fulfills here the lust of the flesh as we see the sinners do. But behold, the veil removed. The veil removed, as we know in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, as it states in that great portion of Scripture, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Friend, who is the God of this world? That's the devil. Wherein the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. There's the veil. There's the veil upon the eyes. They cannot see sin for what it is. That's why it takes. It takes the work of the Holy Ghost to convince of sin and to point to Calvary. Completely without the intervention of any man. And in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Of which believe not. But praise God for the second portion of that reading. But praise God as it goes on. Lest, it says, but, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The old desires are now 
put to the death as he seeks the will of God in his life and seeks only to honor the Lord. A complete change. A radical change. And as Christ progresses in his teaching with Nicodemus, as he progresses and points to himself after the lifting up of the serpent, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's pointing to himself. At that time, there wasn't a change in Nicodemus's heart. He wasn't in the kingdom of heaven. He was still searching. He was still searching his religion, all his academia, all his intellectual ability, all his uh, ritualistic teaching, all his religious teaching, all his uh, pride, whatever you want to call it, he couldn't cross over. The Lord had to repeat to him, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto thee, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. As Christ progresses, and friend, he goes on. He goes on in verse 12, in chapter 3, verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? It says here, if I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Well, Nicodemus, if I, if I have told you of earthly things and ye believe not, uh, if I, how can I tell you of me leaving the splendors of heaven to redeem a people? How can I tell you of my Father's house which many mansions are in heaven? How can you believe the spiritual things if you don't even believe the earthly things? He goes on to say in verse 13, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ preaching of himself, leaving the splendors of heaven to redeem a people to himself. And friend, as we see the progression of the teaching of the new birth, look at as Christ begins to get here to that great verse here, as we read in verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then he ends with verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's salvation. That's salvation. That's the light for the lost. No, Nicodemus, not by religion. We all know that this great ruler of the Jews, as he goes on, he goes on to get saved as a believer in the Lord. We often marvel of the three wonders in heaven. Well, the first wonder is that you're going to look for people in heaven and you won't find them. That's the first wonder. The second wonder in heaven is that you're going to think people are going to, you're going to expect someone not to be there and you're going to see them there. I couldn't believe this person made it to heaven. The third wonder is that you're going to be there. But I tell you, it's not going to be a pat on the back. It's not going to say, man, I did good. No, no. You'll be like John as he talks about Christ. He says, you'll fall at his face as dead. When he sees the vision of Christ. Friend, in conclusion, how great a salvation. And friend, it is a new birth that must be preached. It is how great a salvation.
How great is salvation? My, there are many that claim to be Christian. There are many false notions that people think they are saved by, and thus the main culprit being false religion. The Word makes it very clear, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. The passage makes it very clear that the Apostle Paul leaves absolutely no room for exception. The Lord Jesus Christ leaves absolutely, without a doubt, no exception. Necessity of the new birth. The necessity of being a new creature in Christ. And Paul leaves absolutely no room for exception in favor of any man whatsoever. Notice the words, if any man, as it goes on our test, if any man, if any man be a Christian, he is, and without a doubt, and understandably a new creature. He is a new creature, and this ought to be the vital principle of all who profess the Christian faith, that they be new creatures, not only that they have simply changed a habit, that they have a new, uh, but that they have a new heart and a new nature. And so vast the change of grace of God makes in the soul, that as it follows, old things are passed away. Old thoughts, old principles, old practices, old view on sin. Now, these things are passed away. All of these things must become new. Nor does it impose a mere change of morality or good works. The change must be a complete and entire, and it must be a complete renovation of every part of the soul. It must influence all our words and actions, our thoughts and our desires, our motives and our principles. And friend, the answer is very important because eternity depends on it. And therefore... Let us end with those great words in John 3, verse 3. Except a man, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. May the Lord bless his message to our hearts and may we know something of how, uh, how great a salvation is a complete change in which as our Lord Jesus Christ goes on to say that which is of the flesh is flesh. No man can cross over, no woman can cross over with all the gaining in the whole world. The road is through Christ. And may the Lord bless His message to our hearts even here tonight. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to Thy throne once again. Lord, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We ask, O Lord, that Thou would write it upon our hearts. Lord, that we can marvel in our own hearts. The preacher can marvel even in his own heart. How great a salvation. And Lord, we thank Thee that it's all of grace. And Lord, we know that it was without any intervention by man. Lord, we pray once again that Thou would depart us with Thy blessing. Bless these words unto our heart. And Lord, if there is one here, if there is one listening that still has the veil upon their eyes, then Lord, we pray that the glorious light of the gospel should even shine unto them. Depart us with Thy blessing. Be with us, we ask, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.